This is the Live Like Warriors podcast. I'm your host, Bryce Kenny. We've got a lot to cover today, so let's get right into it. I am incredibly excited about this episode because I've got a very special friend here with me, Jennifer Thompson. Welcome mm-hmm. to the you. Live Like Warriors podcast. Uh, and we've got so much to cover. And uh, Jennifer has been a very close friend of mine and has, it's it's amazing just the things that we've gotten to do together already, how we met, um, the, the, the story about your son, Jace, and his battle with DIPG, uh, a form of, of uh, brain cancer. And we're going to talk all about Jace. We're going to talk about and uh, really help people understand what DIPG even is. Uh, but the big thing that I'm hoping that our listeners gain from this is an understanding of how to get involved. Because I think that so many of us are always thinking, you know what, we're bleeding hearts out here. We want to help the people that need help. And, uh, and the kids and the families that are battling something that no kid deserves to go through. And a lot of us just don't always know what to do, what to say, and how to really help. And if we got anything today, that's what my goal would be is, is to equip. Uh, if you're listening out there and you've ever asked that question, oh, I want to get involved, I want to help, but I really don't know what to do. Um, this podcast episode will help um, our listeners to do that, to get out there, to get out on the battlefield and fight for other people. And so I'm excited because Jennifer, you're going to help a lot of people do just that. So welcome to Kernersville, North Carolina. I love it. Thank you for this opportunity. <laughs> yeah, we're going to have some fun. Yeah. Uh, we first met uh, back in, I want to say it was 2018 or something, but it was it was through a, a, a mutual friend that we had, Megan Jones. Do you remember that we I met? Do. Okay. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. So Kyler Jones was going through brain cancer treatment at that time. And, and I don't really remember even how Megan connected the two of us. Uh, I think it was through the monster trucks, right? Because mm-hmm. Jace was a huge, huge monster truck fan. Yes. Yes, okay. he was. Now, do you remember what his favorite was? Did he have a favorite or did he just He did love have him? a favorite. Um, Mohawk Warrior? Was it? I don't know if you've ever heard of him. I've heard of him. Okay. Some people think he's a nice guy. Yeah. yeah. He's, you know, after getting to know him, he's pretty cool. Yeah. yeah. Okay, he's, good. Yeah. Well. Uh, How fitting that, that was his favorite. I don't know if you're just telling me that, that Mohawk Warrior was his favorite yeah. or if he actually was his favorite, but I'm going to accept it. I think you should. Okay, good. <laughs> <laughs> um, well, I, I just latched on to uh, Jace's story right away because not just because he, he loved monster trucks, but um, it was also um, uh, crazy to me just the, the what he was going through and your family was going through. And, um, and, and unfortunately, I never got to meet Jace, and that's one of my biggest regrets. Um, and and we're, again, we're going to talk about the, the type of cancer that he had. But I want everyone to understand a couple things about you before we get into Jace's story. Um, if you've ever seen one of our campaigns through Live Like Warriors, chances are it was a campaign for someone in a family that you brought to me. Mm-hmm. And uh, I think the very first one that we ever worked on together, because I, I started maybe right at the beginning of my Monster Jam stuff, because if, if, you, if anyone out there knows my story, uh, my niece had uh, cancer when she was two and a half years old and a uh, softball-sized tumor on her kidney. Uh, that was a Wilms tumor. And uh, they, they got the tumor removed, and now she's a sixth grader in middle school and, you know, uh, dealing with what sixth graders in middle school, you know, as a female in middle school, what you deal with, which is, you know, don't take me back to middle school. Anyway, right. uh, but she's doing that, and, and it, was a, it was amazing just to, to see our own family story go through that and, and understanding how people uh, and families react to, to all that stuff. But here you are today. You're still engaged in a lot of people's lives and, and a lot of families going through treatment and what they deal with. And so Jennifer's somebody, though, that 
constantly her and I are talking about needs and, and, and you see needs that pop up. But the very first one is what I was starting to say was the sectional. I think it was mm-hmm. the sectional was. that we did for Ozzy out in Oregon, wasn't it? It was. And you had texted me and you said, Hey, I don't, I don't even remember how you got to thinking about whether we would have the connections. Now that I'm sitting here un- unpacking this, mm-hmm. when you first texted me about that, how did we first start talking about Ozzy and the, and the fact that the family needed a sectional, he had just been diagnosed with DIPG mm-hmm. um, and the family put out a message saying, does anyone have any extra living room furniture? Because, uh, you know, we we're, we're at the hospital so much when we're home, we just want to snuggle up and be together. Right. And then you texted me. Do you remember how that all unfolded? Yeah, I just remember because I follow um, Ozzy's story and the, his mom posted about how she, what you just said, you know, when they're home. They want a space where they can all spend time together. And then thinking about what uh, you were doing, I thought, well, you know, it's not going to hurt to ask to see mm-hmm. if that's something that, um, you know, that you could do. And being that they were all the way in Oregon, yeah, I thought, how are we going to make this? How are we going to make this work? The logistics behind, you know, getting this family a couch when we're all the way over here in North Carolina. Mm-hmm. But, um, you know, so texted you and you immediately got the ball rolling. So, um you know, and and seeing the the joy that uh, that we all probably take uh, for granted every day, which is just a couch, the mm-hmm. joy that that brought to that family and what the what it meant and what it was going to provide for them was yeah. great. Well, I would imagine that, you know if we've done maybe five campaigns this year, I think I think all five were ones that you brought and you said, Bryce, do you think your group can help with this? Bryce, what do you think about this one? And it's all popped up and and I say all that to say. Um, you know, when you hear, when we talk about your story in just a minute, that's where the weight of, of all of that, I think falls on, because it's amazing to me that you stay as engaged as you are, uh, wanting to help these families that are enduring something that no family should have to go through. Uh, Jazzy, right? We gave a car to, to Jazzy. Car. <laughs> Can you believe? So when you first heard Jazzy's story up in New York, and again, if you've been part of the warrior chain, you've gotten the emails and a lot of you contributed to, uh, gas cards for Ozzy, but basically, you saw that they couldn't get to treatment or taking Ubers to and from treatment. Is that how that started? Yeah. 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 She posted too that, you know, they were driving a long way to treatment. Don't have, they didn't have reliable, uh, a reliable vehicle and taking an Uber to treatment was something that just tore me up because, you know, that's just not something that you should have to worry about. And again, just sent you a simple text and there it went from there. Yeah. It was crazy too, because I thought you and I both talked about like, we don't know how we're going to do this, right. but let's see. Right. And we, we kind of put the message out there and I was imagining, and, and it was amazing to me too, how many people responded that were in some like Wisconsin mm-hmm. and they were like, Hey, I've, we do have a vehicle. It does run. And, and I'm, I'm thinking, don't think about how we're going to get the car up to upstate New York. Like I will figure that. Cause you never know. That's the thing that I think have, that's one of the visions I had originally with the live like warriors thing. If, if I've got this platform and we've got this network, you never know when someone might need uh, to get something from Wisconsin to upstate New York, but we happen to have that exact solution. Or somebody that's like Bryce, I travel from Wisconsin to New York all the time. Right. I can bring this to you. Right. Um, and so we don't we don't know. And so I think that that just taking that first step of action, um, I've been amazed to see already just the the small specific needs getting filled. And that's something that that's become a, uh, that I've found a lot of purpose and meaning in, in doing that. But I'm telling you, Jennifer, it started with you bringing me this stuff and saying, here's this need. What do you think? Um, do you know anyone out there that could, 
fill that need. But the Jazzy store was so crazy because so many of you gave towards gas cards and things like that. Um, and then to have, you know, uh, uh, Chris Angel say, hey, Bryce, Bryce, that's unacceptable that they're having to deal with that here. Just tell me what you need. Like, right. I'll send you 20 grand. Just go get them a car. I don't think that's exactly what you and I thought was going right. to happen when we first yeah, started conversing. Why, what is it that enables you to see, first of all, how do you still see all these needs? Are you out there looking for these families' pages? How did you find Jazzy and, and Ozzy out in Oregon? Because those were, those two had different types of cancer as well. So it's not just that you're only following pages that are enduring the same type of cancer that Jace had. Right. How are you, and how many pages do you think that you're oh. engaging with or? You know, I, I, I don't know how many I follow. I know there's quite a few, which is sad because you're following pages of, of sick children. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think the pediatric cancer community is connected um, just for that. I mean, it doesn't matter the type of cancer. Um, just the fact that it's pediatric cancer. Um, you know, we've I've had stories shared with me and people share, you know, message me and, and say, hey, can you help this family or follow this family? Um, so I think, I think the reason why I am a part and follow so many, so many children's stories, it's just for the pediatric cancer, cancer family, mm. because, um, you know, there's only pediatric cancer families can really understand. And, um, it's a connection and it's a bond that we really don't want to be a part of, mm-hmm. but we are. And no matter the type, we just rally behind each other and to support. Is Facebook suggesting these pages for you when you get on there? How do you find them? Are you searching them out? No, or I, what? I, I don't search out because it's painful to, right. you know, go look for those things. It's just the power of social media, of being able to be connected, um, you know, and others just referring. And hmm. I, I don't know the, the analytics behind it, but sometimes... You know, I'll see that someone commented on a certain page and I'm like, okay, I'm not following that person. So let me go and follow this child and, you know, try to just walk along their journey with them. Um, But yeah, I mean, it's, it's the power of social media and the power of the pediatric cancer family. Mm. How do you, how many pages do you think that you're following right now? How many stories? 10? Oh, oh, you know, I'm following stories of children who are currently fighting, but I'm still following pages of sadly where the child has lost their life. I mean, I, I don't unfollow just because, you know, the child is gone um, because I know the support those families need as well. So, uh, you know, I really don't even know. It's probably in the 50 pages at Gosh. least, which is sad to think because that's 50 children, you know, that have cancer and just unimaginable how many are out there still. Well, the, I've called you an angel before. I don't know if I've called you that to to your uh, to your face or not, but I've I've described you as that way anytime the stories have come up. Because um, thinking about you know here you are a mother who lost her child to cancer, and I, there's no worse grief that any of us w- w- could ever even fathom um, as as losing a child. And I am blown away that not only are you following these other stories, but you're engaging with them. Right. And not, so you're dealing with grief and all this stuff that I, I hope to get into here in a few minutes, but what is it that, that allows you then to follow these stories and then also engage, like, like I'm saying, you're stepping into action where you see a need and whether it's something that the warrior Jace foundation uh, is able to provide, or whether it's something that you're like, Bryce, can your network do something about this? 
what is it though that, because most people would have thrown up a wall a long time ago and saying, man, I cannot go there. I can't engage with that family that's dealing with that right now. Cause you're still, you're here. We are four years since Jace passed and you're still in immense grief. Um, how, what enables you then to actually step into action for a sectional or for a car or for these different campaigns that you right. and I've gotten to do together? Um, I think it's because we were a part of that same journey. You know, there's that, um, that, like I was saying, there's just this bond. So, um, I understand what it's like to be uh, in those situations. Um, I know what the moms are feeling. Um, you know, even if it's not DIPG, I mean, it's still terrifying as a mom to, to know that your child is, is battling, whether it's a terminal cancer or, or not, it doesn't matter. Um, you know, I'll be honest, initially after losing Jace, um, it took me time to get to where I am. Um, I'm still heavy in my grief, like you said, but I wasn't wanting initially to to go there, really. I didn't want to follow anybody else because it was just too painful. But somebody needs to and somebody has to. And because you're already kind of alone in a fight anyway so if I know what someone's experiencing and I know this family and what they're going through um it just didn't feel right for me not to be a part of that now they may not know that I follow their page but it's just something that if I could read and and comment every now and then or reach out to a mom you know I just got to a place where that's what I needed yeah well I I'm amazed at that though because Mm -hmm. I think that the uh you know I have felt pain from losing the kids that I've gotten to know through like getting to interact with them through monster jam and getting, you know, them, their families coming up and building relationships. And I wasn't their father, you know, I wasn't their parent. I've not been through it as a parent. Um, and it's, it's been incredibly painful for me when these kids pass. Right. And I can't imagine, and it makes me want to withdraw. Mm -hmm. Like I, and, and like I said, it's not even, they're not even my kid. And so I'm, when I call you an angel, it's because of, it's, it's just that the ability to like, you're fighting so much internal stuff that you are going to spend the rest of your life unpacking, I'm sure. And yet you're still reaching out to other families and, and choosing to engage in their pain uh, and their story. To me, I, I just cannot fathom any greater show of love or show of, of, uh, of, of purpose, whatever word someone would put on that. I just, I can't, that's what I can't fathom is not only just the grief, but also uh, choosing to engage in helping other people. And for that, I, I'm telling you, I don't. I know that you wouldn't never pat yourself on the back, um, uh, but I just want to tell you from everybody listening that's ever been involved in one of our Live Like Warriors campaigns, thank you mm-hmm. because you've given a lot of meaning to a lot of people. And I know you didn't even go into it with that. But the if you if anyone's ever given five dollars to something that we've done to a, to filling a specific need, like think about the meaning and purpose that you gave them that outlet you gave them because you chose to engage in something that no one would ever expect you to have to go and do that right. No one mm-hmm. would expect you to 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 step out into the world and and to benefit other people in the midst of what you've endured. So please, from everyone listening, I know that they'll back me on this. Thank you for staying engaged. It is truly amazing. Wow. Let me just say this, that my strength and uh, purpose is because of Jace. I mean, I still, uh, the strength that he uh, displayed when he was sick, 
Um, that's what I draw from is how he was and how he lived before he got sick, but during, um, so all of it is with Jace channeled, you know, through me and provides me the strength to keep going. Yeah. Well, let's, I want to, I want to introduce everyone to Jace. So this kid was hilarious, Mm -hmm. right? I, I did get some videos from you, uh, (laughs) right there when I, after I got to, to, to meet you guys and you would send me videos of him playing with a Mohawk warrior truck. And what, what, what'd you say he would call Mohawk warrior? How would he say it? Well, he's a Mohawk warrior. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Um, uh, but what a remarkable kid. How would you, first off, how would you describe Jace? Oh personality gosh. wise you know, I think about that when when because I know people ask me that or are going to ask me that he he is just um loving he is an old soul I've always said that I think we said that not long after he was born there was just something different hmm. um he is funny he's energetic he he's he's daring but cautious uh, he's a hundred miles an hour um, and just loved bigger than I ever knew existed. I mean, mm-hmm. he just, and I don't know, you know, uh, by no means do I think that he knew his, his, you know, time here was limited, but he packed so much love in experiences in four years mm-hmm. before he got sick that, um, I'm thankful for that. I, we, we were able to take him everywhere we went and he just soaked in his environment and um, just really loved big and had a funny sense of humor and you always knew where you stood with him. And, uh, you know, what do you, what do you mean? Well, he would tell you if you were talking too much or um, if you, if you did something that he thought was silly, you know, he just, he was honest, but he just, but he never wanted to hurt your feelings, hmm. but, you would kind of be like, oh, you know, he just, he's a four-year-old and he just zinged me, you know? <laughs> so, um, but it, it, if you didn't, if, if you were able to meet him and be around him, then I truly feel like people walked away different because mm-hmm. there was just something different about Jace. Mm-hmm. Well, I, I remember getting the, uh, uh, just hearing him interact with the trucks. Like I said, when you would when you would send me a video of that. And, and I, and, and I think the thing that was so hard, um, I remember exactly where I was when I found out that he had passed. Um, I, cause, and again, like I said, I never got to meet him in person, right. um, which is hard for me to believe because, mm-hmm. it, because I feel like I know so close. Yeah. Right? And, and yeah. getting to know you and, and Eric all this time. And, uh, and just the friendship that McKenzie and I have made mm-hmm. with you and Eric over the, the years, it's hard to believe that I never got to meet Jace. Um, and we were trying to get you guys out to a, a, a monster That's jam true. event, uh, and, and, and it got so bad so quickly yeah. that we, that we missed that opportunity. And like I said, I, that's one of my biggest regrets that, that, that never got to happen, but talk, talk to us through that. I, I want people to understand Jace's story. When did you find out? When did you assume or think to yourself, Hey, something's wrong here. So I have described DIPG and the symptoms, uh, as just like a light switch, one day he was perfectly healthy, everything was fine, and then literally the next day he something was wrong. So it was October twenty second of twenty seventeen. Um, we were outside, which is where if Jace could live anywhere, he would choose to live outside. Mm-hmm. He was an outdoorsy. That's where he wanted to be. So we were shockingly outside, and uh, he was walking up the driveway, 
And Eric and I were at the top of the driveway and he was walking towards us and he was walking as if he had had a stroke, Hmm. mild stroke, I guess. Um, He was kind of dragging his left leg a little bit and his left arm was a little drawn towards his body, but it kind of came and went. So you start thinking, okay, well, I probably didn't just see that. Um, But then when we came inside, he had trouble standing at different times. So the next day... Um, Eric was getting him ready for, to take him up to my parents' house and he had, he, he didn't have the ability to help dress him. Mm-hmm. And, um, so Eric called me and, you know, told me something is wrong. So, um, you know, we, like what any parent would do, you'd immediately call your pediatrician and, uh, we went and within an hour, our lives completely changed. Mm. Fortunately, you know, we had a very, um, our pediatrician was, is amazing because I think with the mild symptoms, because he wasn't displaying by the time we got to the doctor on Monday, he wasn't displaying it all the time, Mm. but we had a pediatrician that wanted to be cautious and sent us for testing where I think what happens sometimes with DIPG is, it's dismissed as, you know, oh, they're just clumsy or, you know, maybe they have a virus. And that wasn't the case uh, with our doctor, which we are so thankful for because it was immediate that his symptoms were progressing. Mm. So um, on Monday, October 23rd, 2017, um, we went to the ER and had a CAT scan. And 10 minutes later, we were told he had a tumor near his brainstem. But we still didn't you know, know um, exactly what it was because nobody told us for quite a while. That it was so, DIPG yeah, or it was that, DIP- okay. So you that knew there was, was a tumor. Or that it was cancer. Really? Um, you know, we were transported to a, a larger hospital in Charlotte and, you know, we're just thinking, okay, we're going to go have this thing removed and we're going to be home in a couple of days mm-hmm. is what we were thinking. But we knew something was wrong when a pediatric oncologist came in and introduced themselves. And that's the first time that we knew something was more Mm. serious than just a simple tumor that we thought we'd be able to remove. Yeah. Oh, so when you said you October 22nd was when he was walking up the driveway. Right. You said October 23rd. So when when did you did your pediatrician do tests? You said something about an hour within an Mm -hmm. hour. You found that out. Was right. it on the yeah. 22nd or 23rd? No, I'm sorry. The 22nd is when we first saw the first symptom. Okay. Um, the 23rd is when we took him to the pediatrician. Got it was it. on a Monday. Okay. And, um, and, and right off the bat, they did a CAT scan. Well, he did some like neurological type tests to yep. see if he could, you know, like finger to note, all that type of stuff. And um, he just knew that it was something that needed to be looked into. Yeah. And he sent us to the emergency room. Gotcha. And so within, you know, from the time we went to the pediatrician, it and his CAT scan was about an hour. Yeah. And within that time is, you know, our everything turned upside down for us. Yeah. Which is remarkable that it was only an hour. I mean, I, I've, I've heard stories where it, you know, sure. it takes a long time. Like mm-hmm. you said, either it's dismissed or even just, you know, my own niece, I don't know exactly the amount of time but I, that she was in the hospital. I remember when, by the time she got to the ER, um, uh, I don't know if they did any tests, but they then quickly sent her and my sister-in-law to Brenner's, mm-hmm. uh, in Winston-Salem. So she had that transport time and, um, uh, uh, the time that was in the ER and then Mackenzie and I were on a date that night 
and we had they had said they were going to Brenner's, and all of a sudden we knew like, well, something's going right. on. So we had time to even get to the hospital. So I, I, again, I'd have to ask my sister-in-law uh, the timing of that, but it had to be four or five hours. And I'd say that's probably being um, kind of minimal. Right. I, it might've been more than that before they finally walked in that room. But I, it, it's the story that I always try to help people understand is that moment. Um, and I don't even re- really believe that McKenzie and I happened to be in the room when this happened, but I'll never forget that uh, when the doctor came in and did say mm-hmm. it's cancer um, and watching my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law uh, fall apart you know, that, that was something. And then we all were falling apart. Right. Cause again, it's like, you don't know how serious it is. Right. It's the dreaded word, mm-hmm. right. Of cancer. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's something that no family, no parents should ever have to endure. Right. What was that moment for you? You said you thought kind of, were you very optimistic at first saying, Oh, well, well let's go. Did you go into like project mode? Like, okay, well, if it's a tumor, we, let's go sur- when, when surgery or right. did you fall apart? How was that? What was that moment? Like when, when the doctor came in and told you, so it's like two different um, situations for us. The first time was when the just the emergency room doctor came in and said, uh, yep, he's got a tumor near his brainstem. Uh, I did fall apart. Um, but then I quickly r- remembered that Jace is four years old sitting in a hospital bed and terrified, and he's watching everything that we're doing. Mm. And so he would react or respond based on, you know, what I was doing. So trying to fall apart, uh, but without doing it where everybody could see it. Um, that's what was happening. Um, and then we immediately, I immediately just thought, okay, tumor, you're not saying cancer. So I'm holding Mm -hmm. on to every word that's being said. So she didn't come back and tell me that he had cancer. She came back and said he had a tumor. Mm -hmm. So tumors can be removed is kind of what I was thinking. So um, by the time we got transferred to um, Levine's Children's in Charlotte, um, and when the pediatric oncologist came in, I knew it was more serious, but still DIPG was never brought up. Mm-hmm. So I remember making uh, asking the doctor, because uh, they were scheduling Jace for an MRI, um, and that wouldn't have been until the next day. By the time we got transported and everything, it was late in the evening, Um but when he said, he just kept saying cancer, and then I said, okay, well, but it could be benign. Like, it could be, right? Uh, give me some hope here, yeah. you know, and um, I could just tell on his face. He said, yeah, I guess it could be, but, um, you know, I knew I knew deep down. I was just holding on to just this hope that, that it was something that we were going to be able to take care of quickly. And he was going to get back to his, his normal self. But uh, you could, I know that if I could read the faces of the doctors and the nurses, that Jace was doing the same to me. Mm. And uh, it, it was such a, such a battle because all I wanted to do was fall to the ground. And, um, but you couldn't. And once we found out that it was DIPG, um, then the fight was on for us. Mm-hmm. And you had, uh, you had no idea what DIPG was before that, right? Absolutely not. I would imagine that most people listening to this have never heard of DIPG. Right. Um, uh, and what exactly is that? You talk about a tumor on the brainstem, but what, what is DIPG if you want to So it's help diffuse intrinsic pontine glioma. So the, the thing about DIPG, which makes it so difficult, is it, it wraps itself into the brainstem. 
So that's why you don't have the opportunity to have the tumor removed because the brainstem is, you know, your life system, mm -hmm. you know, it provides the ability to breathe and to eat and all that. So there is, there is no opportunity to take DIPG out. Mm -hmm. So that's what makes it so difficult, makes it so aggressive because it grows within the brainstem. Yeah. And that, that's what was causing his, his issues walking that first right. day is because yeah. of starting to influence yeah, there his was, functions. Yeah. And it was intermittent because it yeah. was, it was just starting. I mean, it his was a very, uh, quickly growing, quick growing, uh, tumor, but, uh, you know, it's that, that's what it does. Most, most kids, when they start presenting symptoms, it's, it's in a way of they're falling or mm -hmm. they're having trouble walking or something with an eye. Um, but um, yeah, I'd never heard of DIPG. And when we were told what it was, I didn't even, I told the doctor, don't even tell me what it stands for. Mm. I don't want to know because <laughs> it didn't matter. Right. I mean, it, to me, it, it, once you tell me it's cancer, okay, I, let's fight now. Let's, mm -hmm. let's, um, I'm not going to Google it. I'm not going to look it up. Um, so I didn't, I never knew what it stood for until, oh, probably close to when he left yeah what it stood for because it didn't it didn't matter mm -hmm. what mattered was us trying to fight it yeah what about the uh how, how long did it take them to identify as as dipg was it that same day oh, I, that think you were that, at I think that monday when really? the evening when the oncologist came in i think he knew i okay. believe he, he knew um I just don't think that he uh, maybe necessarily wanted to tell us right then. He wanted to wait till the MRI. I think maybe there was part of him that was hopeful that the MRI would show something different. Yeah. Um, but once he had the MRI, um, then it was the next morning that they confirmed that. And I remember every single detail about that morning with the sounds, um, the feel of the, of the hospital, the long walk to where they took us to, they took us to a conference room to tell us, uh, Eric and me. Um, but I can still remember every single about every single thing about that moment. And it's very rare too, right? Yep. Form of cancer. Well, so, so they say it's rare, okay. but then, and it's probably just cause we're in the community now of DIPG, mm -hmm. but I feel like I hear about it every day. Yeah. A new diagnosis every day. 250 to 300 kids a year. Wow. Um, and where I guess most people would say that was rare, but when you're in it and then you start learning about other families and seeing the other children that uh, are fighting this, it's just hard for me to say that it that it is rare. Right. And that's kind of what I'm, I'm wondering if the hospitals, I mean, how, how many oncologists are familiar with it? I mean, I've, I've been... I think, I, I don't know if, maybe I'm mis misremembering this, but I feel like there was a conversation you and I had where some hospital systems may not even really be right. familiar at all with DIPG. Is that right? Right. Yeah. I mean, we, I think because Charlotte's a big market, yeah. I think we just were fortunate to have a doctor that had seen DIPG before. Um, from what I've seen with other stories, I think that's why sometimes it doesn't get diagnosed initially um, because doctors aren't familiar with it. So many aren't familiar with it and don't know what it looks like. Um, when they're looking at it on a CT scan or an MRI. Um, to say we're fortunate, I hate saying that term in the, in, in the sense of talking about cancer, but I am thankful that our doctor knew what it was, recognized what it was, um, and we were able to start fighting immediately. The thing about DIPG and fighting it, though, there aren't 
resource. Not every hospital has the resource to fight the IPG. Yeah. And so your first, what did, what did the hospital system? Cause at that point when you're broken, right. Mm-hmm. And you're just, you're okay, let's get into the fight then. Let's, let's take care of this. Um, you look for the hospital system to guide you on where to go and what to do, but you guys started making calls, right. To who can help us with this. Cause was it Levine's that was going to then treat it? But I also know, I think that you called St. Jude. I think you called, right. you guys tried to see your options. How much of that was you having to kind of to, to figure it out for yourself versus the hospital saying, Hey, you need to do this, this, and this. Most all of it, it was, you know, fell on the shoulders of Eric and me. Um, now immediately when they told us, you know, I'm not going to say they didn't support, but it, it, it's, it was a deep, you know, uh, painful diagnosis. And so they don't do that that often. So I think that it was just kind of this uncomfortable, not quite sure what to do. Um, I remember once I finally gathered myself, um, I just said, okay, so what are we going to, what do we got to do to fight this? Like, we're not the type to give up. Um, you, you were given several options. It was, you could take him home and make memories, continue making memories. And you may have a few months hmm. you can do uh, radiation and that might extend his life a little bit. And then, you know, the term clinical trial was just kind of floated around there and, that was never a question on Eric and me. You know, we just knew that that's what we were going to have to do. If that's, if that was going to give Jace a chance to, to beat it. Um, and so we started, they told us of a couple of trials, Washington, DC and Atlanta. And, but then it was kind of left up to us, you know, what we decided. And we knew that Tom was not on our, on our side. So we did start making phone calls and, um, I think I reached out, I called the DIBG clinical trial in Washington, DC myself hmm. and, and spoke to someone there. And what, what I was being told locally was, well, we have to submit everything. They have to read over it, look at his scans and decide if he's going to be accepted hmm. into the trial. Well, that also means that takes time. We don't have time. Hmm. I'm not going to sit back and sit still so, you know, you have to kind of be your own advocate and play aggressive. And that's what we did. And we actually got ourselves accepted into the trial before they even received Jace's, um, you know, scans and things from, from the hospital. So, wow, yeah. <laughs> so you got, how did that process of getting him accepted? And where, where did he get accepted into? He got accepted into Children's National in Washington, D.C. Okay. Um, and that really was just uh, like I, I spoke to one of the nurses that was a part of the program then and just told her what we were told in Charlotte. Um, and it, not even an interview, but just, just some questions about what Jace was experiencing, his symptoms, and what we were told about the doctor here, or doctor in Charlotte. And uh, it wasn't long before she called back and said that we were, that it was a go. Hmm. So um, that's amazing. Yeah. It be your own advocate. I've heard that from so many families. And again, it's not that we're trying to, you know, it wouldn't be an indictment against the hospital no. system and things mm-hmm. like that. Or, but for, you know, when, when you're, when it's the worst day of your life and you're, and you're hoping that someone can give you the answers mm-hmm. and the answers don't come, I can't imagine a more lonely feeling. Um, and, and that's not something that, that should be the reality, but it is being your own advocate when it comes to, to your health and trying to take matters into your own hands is not something anyone deserves to have to go through, but it is 
required. The right. more people I meet, the more people that say the exact same thing is you've got to be your own advocate and push it through. Yeah. Um, so when you, uh, and you even said, and that's what some people might ask me, and I've been to St. Jude. I like St. Jude, right? I've, um, I, I, I think the work they do is great. Um, but I also think that there's a, you know, there's, there's, uh, there's a lot of organizations out there that I support. Um, and that I think do amazing work, Right. but St. Jude, uh, you called them and they did not accept, uh, his case. Is that right? That's correct. Did they not do any DIPG or how did that, um, how did that unfold? From what I can recall, because I had, my mother was a part of that, um, that there was, there wasn't, there was not a DIPG trial. Um, and that's, I, I think that is one of the big things that I wish people would understand. Um, there are organizations like St. Jude, obviously they're able to stay on the TV and, and, mm-hmm. and stay in front of people, but there are so many uh, hospitals and researchers and scientists that aren't able to do that, but they're still doing the same type of work. And, um, uh, you know, it's just su- supporting all, all the other trials and hospitals that are trying to do the same thing. Yeah. Um, but yeah, we, you know, St. Jude is what you hear. So that's, we, you start just calling everybody, anybody mm-hmm. that you think that you've heard in the past or anybody you think that can help. Um, but then we quickly realized how specific these trials are and how limited, uh, keep in mind, this is 2017. So there were less clinical trials, mm-hmm. uh, available then. So your resources were very limited. When did you find out the survival rate percentage of DIPG? Um, I didn't specifically find out right in the beginning, but when the doctor told me that our options were to take him home and make memories yeah. um, and that he may live five months, then, you know, I think is when I realized that it was, it was very, very bad and, um, but I didn't know exactly that there was a no survival rate, that it was completely terminal. Um, even if somebody would have told me he is going to pass, I didn't believe it. Yeah. But I think that's what most parents would. I mean, it's somebody has to be the first to beat it, right? I mean, that's where we are with some of these cancers that exist. Somebody beat it mm-hmm. at some point. And we thought Blake, Blake, that's my oldest son. I'm sorry. <laughs> we thought Jace, we not thought, we believed that Jace was going to pave the way. He was going to be the pioneer of, of DIPG. And it was going to be, you know, um, when DIPG was talked about, that people would automatically think about Jace because he beat it. Mm-hmm. Um, that was our belief. Has there not been, you're saying there's not been anyone that has survived DIPG after diagnosis. Do you know? Um, I, I, is it 0% survival? Well, they, it's a, it's a very small percent survival rate. Now your survival rate might provide you two years. Mm-hmm. It may be, uh, in 2017 and you know, it was like your, it was about nine months is what you were mm-hmm. expected. Um, so you, you have some children that respond to different treatments, so they may live a little bit longer than, you know, than Jace did. Mm. Some don't live much past diagnosis. It's just such a, um, an aggressive cancer that these doctors don't have time to study them mm. and, um, you know, treat it because it's, you, you just go on immediately into the mode of how can I get it to just slow down? Mm. And there's nothing right now that exists to even make it really slow down. Mm. Um, I don't, I'm sure there's children out there that, um, 
maybe three, four years into it. I don't know. Um, but I know the stories that I follow. Yeah. And so far I have not seen one survive. I, I think the, the gut wrenching part of DIPG that I've learned about since Jace and, um, uh, he's the, he is the reason I know what DIPG is now. Um, and then I've, I've gotten to, to meet some of these families that are uh, going through it. Um, but, uh, it, it, the thing that's so gut wrenching is how quickly it progresses. And to your point, maybe I, I hadn't realized that before is just if it's wrapped around the brainstem and you can't get the, the tumor removed cause you can't mess with the brainstem. Right. Um, obviously you're limited into, to your point, what you're saying, which is trying to contain it or lessen it, uh, or try to control the growth, uh, uh, or however we probably put that. But, um, when, you know, when Jace was diagnosed, he was how old? He was four, four, a four-year-old just knows, you know, obviously he doesn't know that he, uh, a four-year-old has food poison. He just knows his tummy aches, right? right? Um, he doesn't know he has cancer or what cancer probably even is at four. He just knows he, he's starting to feel bad or he's starting to feel differently. Mm-hmm. Um, at what point did, do you think that Jace started realizing that something was, that it was bad instead of just feeling yucky? Mm-hmm. When do you think that he started to catch on like this isn't good or what is it? I don't even know what a four-year-old, four-and-a-half-year-old then at that point is right. is, is thinking of trying to – he can't process any of that. No, he just knows that all of a sudden he's going to the doctor a lot and he's, you know, hospital stays and, you know, he's spending more time in a hospital gown than he is in his pajamas. Hmm. Um, we never told him what was happening. We told him that there was something in his head that we were getting him help with. Mm. But I don't, even if it happened all over again today, I would do, I would do it the same way. I don't think that even if you try to describe it in the best way to, how are you going to get a four-year-old to understand that they're possibly dying? Um, because they don't even know what that means. Right. Yeah. Um, they don't know you, you know, if they lost a goldfish, okay, they're going to cry for an hour, but mm-hmm. then, but they don't, they can't grasp that deep concept of, of death. And so we just didn't, uh, we didn't tell him. Now I remember after radiation is what helped him walk again, because mm-hmm. within a week, I mean, he lost his ability to, to walk, but probably when we were about six months in, when he started losing his ability to walk again, um, he asked me, you know, when he was going to start feeling better and when he was going to be able to walk again. Um, but I, I mean, that doesn't mean that he knew that he wasn't going to live. I think it was just five year old by then he was five. Um, what are five year old kids supposed to be doing? They're supposed to be running around and playing and he was supposed to be playing baseball. So, his brain was fine, you know, his, his understanding and his, um, I mean, the, the, the brain doesn't get disturbed by DIPG. So they're still aging. They're still thinking. They're still, they still have thoughts and they know their body isn't responding, hmm. but trying to get a five-year-old to understand that that's just not going to happen right now. Uh, you know, it, it was it was very very. I mean, I remember where I was. I mean, it was very painful when he asked me that because I knew that it probably wasn't going to happen again. But you have to, you know, you can't 
show that because I didn't want to scare him. I didn't want to worry him. Uh, he was already worried. Um, the things that, that, and I'm sure other pediatric cancer patients go through, but what DIPG these children go through, um, it's, it's a lot and I can't imagine his terror Hmm. that he felt his fear. Um, once he realized that, okay, my body's not working like it used to, but my brain is fine. Um, that was hard. Was there anything that kept him that you saw him gravitate towards in the hospital that like got him through the hard times? Like, was he a, you know, playing on an iPad kind of kid? Was he a Lego (laughs) building kid? What did he like to do? Uh, well, Jace liked to, to be running. Mm. Jace liked to be on his bicycle, on his John Deere tractor. I mean, (laughs) this was a, you know, this took a lot away from Mm. the kid that Jace was. He was not a sit and be still. So that was difficult. Um, you know, you're trying to, you're going one day from teaching him how to swing a bat to the next day of your legs aren't working right. Mm. So let's build a Lego car. I mean, <laughs> we didn't want to do that either. But uh, yeah, he quickly had to learn how to, we had to entertain while he was um, in the hospital. Uh, the hospitals were great, whether it was Charlotte or DC, because, um, you know, they have therapy dogs and they have so many programs that, because they know these kids are just laying in a hospital bed and can't get out and do what they want to do. So they find ways to entertain them. And it was, you know, both experiences for that and what they did for these kids was amazing. Now, when he was home and had lost his ability to walk, um, you know, he obviously we call him Warrior Jace, but he he's going to find a way. He was going to find a way ever before he was sick. Mm. So... I remember when he was learning how to walk, we have stairs in our house and he gravitated towards the stairs, right? What a lot of kids do. So we built this system to where it would block the stairs off mm. and you had to slide it to, to move it out of the way. He figured out how <laughs> to slide it out of the way. So he's always had that, you know, kind of, you can try, but you're not going to stop me. Mm-hmm. Right. Yep. And Um, that's probably where his little fight motto came in of can't stop me. Hmm. But when he lost his ability to walk, he could crawl like nobody's business. And obviously crawling, you have to use your legs. He didn't use his legs. I mean, he, he would, and it's sad to say, but I mean, he, he found a way to, to move about the house and to, to, to go the different places that he wanted. Um, but it was still. As a mom, that was hard to watch, but that's the the determination yeah. of Jace. And and that's what I think people need to understand about DIPG on why it's just so uh, hard to not only fathom but watch a child is is it, correct me if I'm wrong. It's essentially shutting down the body's functions correct. as it progresses. Right? Is it because the tumor is growing and it's it, what's it doing? Putting pressure on the brainstem. Right. It it's yeah compressing against the brainstem. So your brainstem. Provides you the ability to, to breathe and to, you know, to talk, to eat, to swallow all your important functions that you need to, to live. Um, it just slowly takes those away. Mm. And, um, you know, that's that's what ends up, you know, taking the child is because it's so much pressure on the brainstem that it just shuts down, you know, the, the ability for the heart to beat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm. 
Well, I, I, in, in his pictures, it's amazing. We got a picture of him yeah. right here, which is, cutie. which is awesome. Yeah. And he loved green, hey, green. right? He Always was, green was his favorite color from, I don't know, you know, the time he knew what colors were. Yeah. He loved green, huh? Green. Um, so, and he looks very handsome in a green shirt and his green hat. <laughs> but he's got the most, uh, the coolest smile. And like anytime I saw, saw his pictures and, and even towards the end, cause you were, you seem to be, you know, I, I've described, uh, families that, uh, some people kind of build up walls. Some people don't build up walls. They kind of like engage in the community. You know, they, they, they are extremely open about their, the day to day stuff that they're going through. Um, I kind of watched my, my, uh, uh, family go through it more so of putting up walls. Mm-hmm. And that's just the, that was the style. Um, I, I kind of felt like I saw both from you. I felt like you were pretty open and engaging with people, uh, where getting to know you now, I know that you were also putting up a lot of walls and having to kind of defend, um, uh, and, and keep the, maintain the privacy that your family wanted as you went through it while still engaging people and keeping everyone updated and Mm -hmm. and stuff that, again, I I think you're kind of one, I think people are either built one way or the other to do that stuff. And and I don't think there's a manual for it. There's not a, there's not a right way, uh, to do that. I think everyone's just going to have different tendencies, um, uh, with that. But I was very surprised at, uh, in a right way, because it helped to educate me, but I knew it was harder on you to do it that way. You still communicated quite a bit, whether it was Facebook of what Jace was going through. Um, but even those pictures that I saw you post, even towards the very end, that kid was always grinning. Even if he did, <laughs> even if it wasn't the same as this picture right here, and right. you could tell he was the guy was he was you know what, right. was he was he still happy somehow towards the end, or was he just forcing that? I mean, what what was Jace like in those last uh, couple of months? Because I still saw a lot of smiles yeah. when there probably wasn't as much to smile about for him. Yeah. Um. I think anytime I share, I usually uh, share a picture of him. I always say, you know, he was so sick, but he was still smiling. Mm. Um, He, you know, I don't know. When you're talking about the walls, I was that way. I mean, it was like I had a wall up in certain areas, but I wanted people to understand that this this was really happening. This is the reality. This cancer does exist. Um, And his story spread so quickly i mean we had Mm. such a huge following uh while he was sick and but i was cautious too like you were saying about protecting jace and what what i knew he was when he was healthy and the pain of what he looked like when he was really sick you know that is hard for people to see um and people on social media had the chance to just scroll past it and i would say listen we can't do that uh, this is really happening. Um, a few days before Jace left us, he was still singing with me. Um, but that was just who he is. I mean, that's who he is. I mean, that's why we call him the, the uh, warrior. Um, and he just, even until the day, the night before, I mean, he was thumbs up and... Um, that's just who he was. And he, and what day did he actually pass on? Um, what was it? Oh my gosh. October 5th, October 5th, 2018. 2018. So 347 days after diagnosis. Mm. Um, but like I said, I mean, he, he always smiled. I mean, these pictures that I share of him, even when he was, or before he was diagnosed, he was just happy. Um, 
but he never let that he never let what was happening to him stop him from you know smiling at his gigi or his older brother bake as he used to call him <laughs> um that's just uh i think he he for some reason would would throw his little thumbs up because that's what he did a lot and he'd always just say can't stop me <laughs> and he, he lived that until mm. until he left on october 5th mm. what a kid mm-hmm. all right we're going to take a quick break because okay. uh, we're going to come back and we're going to um, talk about how a family can get involved and people like a listener that wants to understand what it really looks like to, to help a family going through um, cancer and all those unknowns like we talked about before um, because that's not an easy question to ask but I want to ask you that I want to say what was beneficial for you uh, when you were di- when Jace was diagnosed when you were in the middle for those 347 days the support you needed then looked different uh, then the three months afterwards, right? right. Oh, absolutely. Uh, the, the difference, but, but you still, you know, you need support now, right? Mm-hmm. So I, I want to start asking, I want to ask you that question because I know a lot of people, if they're still listening to this, it's because they want to understand how to help, the right ways to help and the stuff to not do, right? Mm-hmm. And I, I think that that's a whole, we could do a whole nother podcast on right. what not to say, uh, the stuff that is not helpful, that's actually hurtful even though I don't think anyone's ill-intentioned, but I want to come back and talk a little bit about that if you're up for it. I'm up for it. All right, be right back, guys. Have you joined our warrior chain yet? Imagine being part of a 5,000-person email chain army that makes coordinated efforts to fill specific needs that we find, where every dollar given goes straight to that need instead of some CEO's salary. A $2,500 wheelchair for a family that can't afford it? That's 250 warriors giving $10 each, and we fill that need within the hour. That's the power of the warrior chain, and we want you on the battlefield with us. LiveLikeWarriors.com. Now, let's get back to the episode. Okay, so I'm, I'm excited about this because I, I want to give the listeners something to, to take away. If they, They're going to meet Jace through this, right? They're going to understand DIPG a little bit more. Mm-hmm. Um, and then thirdly, I want to empower, like we've said, the listener to understand how to help a family. Um, what are, and this is really difficult because emotionally people need different things, um, you know, and how to engage a parent who just got, you know, where their kid just got diagnosed or maybe even, a, it doesn't even have to necessarily even be pediatric cancer. It could be trauma. Right. But um, what were some of the most helpful things that you guys experienced during those 347 days while going through treatment? What was, what was actually beneficial the most? I think the most beneficial thing um, for us was that someone uh, started meals for us. Mm. And I remember there was a, we had a red cooler on our front porch and a blue cooler on our front porch, which indicated hot and cold. So um, that was one thing I didn't have to worry about was the fact that my, our community rallied behind us and would provide meals and, that was just one less thing I had to worry about because as the mom, right, that's what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to, you know, feed our kids, feed our families, cook meals. And I wasn't able to do that. I didn't have the time to do that. Um, I didn't want to be taken away from Jace to go cook something for dinner. So that was a really big, uh, a big help for us. I know there were a couple of times when we were out of town, we would come back and our pantry would be full. Hmm. Um, because I didn't have time to go grocery shopping. That was before, you know, Food Lion to go or these, yeah. you know, these, <laughs> these apps that exist for you to 
you know, grocery shop from your living. That didn't exist. So we have to keep in perspective that this was 2017. So, um, you know, the groceries were a, were a huge deal, especially with a teenager in the house. Yeah. Um, and then the meals, uh, things that uh, you you do every single day and that you try, you know, that you have to do to provide for your family. If you can take one of those stresses off of the family, um, it makes a huge impact. I mean, you, the person doing that may never know what it actually does for a family, but uh, I can tell you the, the, the meals were probably the, the greatest thing ever for us. Did you ever get, not frustrated, but did you ever, when, when, when would it not be helpful in terms of uh, someone, did you get a lot of phone calls and a lot of texts and things like that wanting to engage or did you get a lot of questions? I mean, what, what was it that almost, did you ever find yourself getting frustrated by the way anyone went about that? Well, uh, you know, sometimes it would be a little overwhelming because whether it was a text or a Facebook message, you know, what can we do? What can we do? Um, you know, I didn't have time to process because I didn't know what I needed. I don't, I just needed somebody to do, mm. but I didn't know what that was and how to tell you that. Um, but fortunately, you know, I kind of had a circle around me with my family that, and my friend at the time, she, there were things that I had to delegate and was like, I can't make those decisions. Like, I need you to organize that. I need you, I need you to, um, you know, be that liaison. Mm. Um, so, overwhelmed I would probably say is what I felt sometimes um but I appreciated the fact that people were reaching out yeah you said something really important to me uh at some point I bet you it's been a year or two but or no it was during one of these campaigns because we were um I think it was something about lawn care for a family mm -hmm. and we were trying to work it out but you you said uh you said the worst the thing I'm not going to do is uh have this family have to make a decision on this right right? Is putting something else on their plate. I had never really thought about it that way, right? I'd right. never, I never thought about, well, I don't want, you know, I, I need to ask them what color I remember with the sectional with Aussie. Right. I remember going, well, gosh, do I, do we just get them anything or right. can we ask them like what color or do they right. want it leather or do they want it cloth? Um, and obviously with that, I think we did end up we asking did. them like, what, what is your preference? But we didn't have them to, but that was through your guidance saying, don't get them involved in and get, involve them as little as you have to, or as right. little as you can. Um, so we didn't involve them in delivery. We just right. said, "Did it? do you have an idea on what type? And then is there a specific day? Because right. we're going to cover everything else. But I learned that from you. Uh, what was your experience? When did you realize you just couldn't simply, you just couldn't make a decision on setting up meal train, right? right? You didn't set that up, did you? Mm -mm. Someone else set that up because you didn't have the capacity to make another decision, you told right. me. Yeah, so um, what I've tried to tell people is, you know, take take less decisions for the parents. You know, we're, we already are, are in this new world, you know, of trying to figure things out, making decisions of what's best for the family, uh, for us, uh, for our child. And so it's kind of like the less is more. So... Um, just take it and run with it. If, um, you know, you, you have this interest in what you want to do for a family, then you just need to kind of either find somebody within their circle that can help facilitate that. But I know pretty early on that I couldn't take on many more decisions. Mm -hmm. 
I just wanted to focus on, you know, fighting DIPG and making sure Jace was, you know, uh, comfortable. So all the daily things, um, you know, it was just, we had people around us that could kind of help facilitate those things. Um, we were out of town one time and came back and our yard had been mowed and, uh, all the shrubs had been pruned. Now that's something that my husband and I had hadn't thought of that. Oh my gosh, this is one of the things that's been put on the back burner. Mm. When we got home and saw that it had been done, we were, we were just like, Oh my gosh, that's one less thing. Huh. Thank you so much. And that, I mean, and that was a friend of mine who lives halfway across the country that did that, um, and organized that. So it's wow. like just kind of doing, um, and if there's a, a, somebody connected with the family that you could run an idea past them instead of adding to just com continuing to add to the, to the decision, the daily decisions on parents, um, you know, less, less decision-making for them is, is I think is important. Yeah. What advice about someone that maybe has an inkling on something to do? Most people, I think most of us, because we mean well, we may hesitate mm -hmm. because we're like, I, I don't know if they would need this or want this. I don't want to bother them. What, any advice for those people that want to get involved, maybe have an idea, how should they contact the family as silly as that sounds? Or do they need, does a family need that kind of space? Like you said before, how, how quickly would it get overwhelming for you? Well, uh, once I recognized for me that it was getting overwhelming, uh, I just simply handed it off to a friend mm -hmm. or my mom or somebody that was close to me that, that they could ask me when it was right when the time was right to say, Hey, this person wants to do this. What do you think about, you know, what do you think about this idea or what do you, th because, uh, if you have someone that, that is, uh, around you, they, they know when the right time mm -hmm. to bring something up is, and they know when to ask. Um, so I, but I completely encourage people reach out. I mean, you know, you may not hear back from that parent or, um, you know, grandparent at that time, but, um, at least they know that someone's out there that's interested in helping and at that moment may not be the right time, but, um, they may, you know, pass it off to someone else that can help facilitate whatever the need is, what, what somebody is wanting to do. And so as a, as a, almost a specific example, you know, you talk about lawn care. Mm -hmm. So instead of someone reaching out saying, Hey, Jennifer, I, I, we'd like to really cover your lawn care next week. Right. Then that's so generous. Right. But, but I'm going to tell you, no, don't worry about that. Yes, exactly. So yeah. you're going to put it off and say, right. nope, no, don't. Oh, yeah. So uh, instead of that, would it be better to say, because you came back, the lawn was done, done, where you didn't have a chance to even say yes or no. And it was so, you know, you, you were so, you and Eric both, it blew you away. But would it be better for that person to say, hey, we've got this this lawn care company. They're going to come by next Tuesday. I just, is that okay? Should they say, hey, we've got all the, I've got all the dots connected. Just want to let you aware of it. Or was it better that you just came home and that was already done? Well, for us specifically, you know, just on our story and, and our journey at the time, I just needed it done. Don't ask me. Mm. Um, but I'm sure there are people out there that would be like, oh my gosh, thank you so much. Yes, Tuesday will be fine. Mm. But, um, we just, if someone says to me, can I, can I provide this to you? You know, I have this all set up. I don't want somebody, I feel bad mm. for asking for help. You know, I desperately needed it, but I knew that people were busy. I knew that, you know, 
nothing's cheap. And so I didn't want someone else to have to go out of their way for me. So if you gave me the opportunity to tell you no and not to worry about it, more than likely I was going to tell you, you know, thank you, but um, there's no need in that. When when inside, I'm like, yes, absolutely. Yeah, that would really help. <laughs> that would really help. And so I think finally people around me started seeing that, okay, she's she just wants us to kind of do and um, take less deci- decisions off of her because, you know, not only are we – trying to figure out what the best thing to do is for our, our child if they're suffering cancer or, like you said, some sort of traumatic situation. Um, we're also trying to figure out how to still be a mom and dad to the siblings. You know, we're still working full time. There's there's just so much that goes on in, um, in that world that even though to someone on the outside asking me, can I bring you groceries might seem simple, but it might be just that one thing that's like, oh my gosh, you know, with everything else going on, I can't, I can't handle that, making that decision. Cause I don't know when the best time is. I don't know when, you know, the right time of day is or what day is the best. Just, just kind of do it. And, um, or I, like me recognizing that I needed somebody else to help be that liaison yeah. with people. How would you give advice to someone that ha- is compelled to do something, right? Should they, um, and it's, this is kind of hard to actually ask this question because you think to yourself, there should be some, you know, common sense to a little bit of this as well, where there's some things that you probably should ask the family uh, versus just going and doing. Um, but any advice to following that compulsion versus running it by a family? Is there certain categories that you would say, OK, if it was this, run that by the family versus Right. Yeah, my the we didn't even know the bushes need to be trimmed, and there's no way I was going to say, "Oh yeah, that'd be great next Tuesday." So that was a, I think that's a great example of something that someone people just aren't going to always think about is right. the lawn care covered mm-hmm. um, versus do they show up with just a bunch of bags of groceries versus giving a gift card to Food Lion or you know to right. to Walmart to go get groceries? Uh, any advice to following compulsion versus checking with the family first? Yeah, I think um, you know. Checking with the family is fine. If there's no response, uh, and I've been many times not received a response, but, you know, I just I just kind of monitor and see what it is that, because people will eventually kind of start talking about some things that they may mm. need here and there. But um, lawn care, great example. Yeah, you can just show up and do it. Don't just send somebody to my house to clean my house. Oh, yeah. You know, so, because, <laughs> you know, if we're one. not there, you know, I don't want some stranger coming to my house. Plus, it's our home. Right. So there are some things that, yeah, I would I would say, you know, you need to run past as far as the groceries. It's really just kind of de- depending on what the family, um, I don't know, I mean, where, where they are. And like for me, I, living out where we do, you know, when people would just drop off groceries, I liked that. Mm. Um, because with a gift card, I still have to go. Yeah. I still have to, or hand it off to somebody, and I still have to make a list. Yeah, there's a decision you had to it's make. More decisions. Like you're saying, something else on your plate. Right. Yeah. So, but gift cards to some are exactly what they need. Um, and especially nowadays that you have, you know, the opportunity to shop from an yeah. app or your, your computer, that did, just didn't exist for us. So, um, you know, the, the, the groceries are big, the food, um, gas cards, mm. um, because we have to travel, you know, nothing, not just us. I mean, all these, uh, DIPG families and pediatric cancer families that I follow, you know, the, the hospital isn't just next door. Mm. Um, so 
and that that can add up quickly i mean i, I remember us five days a week driving you know 45 miles to get to the hospital that adds up mm-hmm. you know and taking one less stress off of the family uh, is is huge and you may not see the benefit of it but i remember so many times it was like oh my gosh you know we have to get gas again and then yeah. remembering we had a gift card um you know so that was big what about how, how often were you eating in the in the hospital because your stays on average would be how long was there well so there really wasn't anything initially to for us to stay in the hospital for the first time we were there we were there for a few days okay um but we were you know jace had his request of what he wanted to eat so there was nothing in the hospital that was what he wanted yeah. I mean, it was specific um we had a lot of food gift cards donated to us mm-hmm. um so and we would use those whether we were in charlotte for treatment or washington dc um one thing that we did benefit from we didn't have it where we live now washington was a little more advanced than where we are they had food delivery services there um and so once we were in living in arlington and we weren't able to go out because jace wasn't able to um being able to use those resources of the food delivery services um Oh my gosh. I remember thinking, I don't want to go back to, you know, Stanley County because we have to go to the grocery store. Um, so. Yeah. Um, the, uh, uh, one of the things that, that we had experienced when our daughter was in the NICU for 10 days, when Mm -hmm. she was born were the DoorDash gift cards, right? Mm -hmm. Just like what you're saying or Uber eats. I think that's a huge opportunity and back, I mean, 2018, I don't even think that that stuff was much going on. So, uh, but I think that's a great idea for people to, to, to utilize and, and to, to use, right? I mean, mm-hmm. that would be incredibly beneficial to eat on the go and not just be a Subway gift card where you have to go to Subway, yeah, very right? Limited. You can use DoorDash and any food in the area that they're feeling because and when, that Jace yeah. requires in that moment, you can very find. Very specific, <laughs> right. And, you know, when you're gone from home a lot, the la- after so long, you know, the last thing you want is another fast food meal. Yeah. So having that ability to uh, order from a place that you can get vegetables and something that's like a home cooked meal yep. to make you feel like you're back at home just for a few minutes, a little bit of normalcy. Um, that was one thing that we really enjoyed up in, up in Arlington, Virginia. Yeah, absolutely. That's awesome. But it's, it's so and like I was saying earlier, keeping in perspective that this was 2017, 2018 and seeing how far we've come since then. Um, the, the, technology has been so so good for pediatric cancer families because they are able to connect in different ways yeah and get the help they need so in terms of supporting people uh follow your gut uh mm-hmm. and be probably more um more i say aggressive that's not the right word but um well, take it I, off their plate right? right don't don't be so dependent upon the the parent and the family to answer your question follow your gut what you're feeling compelled to go do and try to limit the families having to think through it. Just do it. Yeah. It, it, when and in doubt, probably. Yeah, I say like be it. intentional, right? Intentional. So don't be so broad and like, tell me what I can do to help. Mm. Way, it's, that's way too broad. You know, really take time to think about, you know, what could I do? What can, what is something that I could do to help make tomorrow easier for them? Um. Instead of it being this, well, just let me know how I can help or what do you need? Because um, I, 
when if you ask me what I needed in 2017, I need a whole lot. Yeah. You know, I need my kid to survive. Mm-hmm. I need, you know, so it's, you're probably not going to get the response. If you say, if you had asked me, what do you need? It's, um, I'm not going to think to say, I need hot meals three mm-hmm. days a week. Yeah. Was there anything anyone did or gave you that you, that upset you? Where you were like, oh, like like you said, I think that that's a great example. Uh, I don't know if someone did uh, have someone clean your house while you were gone or something, but was there anything that you were like, yeah, that's the, uh, the that's the 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 wrong thing to do, I guess. Or, but I guess the point I'm trying to make is, it's not like you ever got upset that someone, oh, they we had two meals given tonight oh, gosh, when no. I should have had one, oh, right? No. And that's why I say follow your gut on this yeah. stuff. And if you're feeling compelled to do something, chances are you're supposed to be doing it. Exactly. Um, and we thank you guys for doing that, right? Yeah. We, but but here's the freedom that you should be feeling on getting it done and, you know, going and helping that family. And kudos to you, right? Mm-hmm. That you're listening to your gut and, right. and just follow it. Right? Absolutely. Just don't uh, do a house cleaner. <laughs> yeah. That might be a little too... Uh, Invasive. A little too... Yeah. you showing back. Now... But, he, but in that same sense, you know, maybe go a little bit further and try to find somebody, uh, you know, because the way that actually happened to us, we came back and, and our house was, was mm. clean. I freaked out just a little bit because <laughs> I thought who was in our house, but someone had reached out to someone that they know in our community mm. that we ended up knowing mm. um, that cleans houses. Mm. So uh, it was fine. But yeah, I, we really, we didn't have anything that yeah. um, anybody provided us or gave us that, that upset us. Maybe, maybe that's a great way to put it. Maybe the, I say the rule of thumb would be if it, you know, that there, the boundaries are inside your home, right? Mm-hmm. When you think about Absolutely. the walls of your home, if there's something, meals, and even though a kitchen table, right, being dinner, so that's inside the home, but you can still have that in those red and blue coolers mm-hmm. out on the front Simple. porch, but keeping the sanctity of your house and your family time precious. Right. Um, that's where things need to get cleared. If there's something sure. inside the home. Yeah. Probably that's the boundary is. Yeah. yeah Cause that's it, private and personal. And, exactly. Yeah. So that's where we felt that's, that's let us, let us actually make that decision. Yes. <laughs> yeah. Involve the family. If it yeah. Yeah, breaks that barrier, yeah. right. That boundary. Um, other than that, follow your gut and sure. limit the decisions that a family has to make because they're making a lot of decisions that are way more important than are the shrubs getting uh, trimmed. So, um, and thank you guys for being involved in that. Yeah. Well, let's switch gears because the flip side of all of this uh, is uh, even our family. It was amazing uh, the things that would get said, right? Because mm-hmm. a lot of us we want to encourage, and none of us really understand what to say. And, and I'm guilty of this still, right? What what advice would you give people on what actually was beneficial for you to hear versus the things that were not beneficial, sometimes hurt, even hurtful, even mm-hmm. though they certainly weren't trying to hurt. But uh, how can people be more effective in the way that they're communicating, whether it's right, whether it was when you actually got your um, diagnosis or mm-hmm. whether it was during treatment, but uh, how can people bless or encourage what's the right way to do that? So I, I think we can look at it in the time we were sick, when Jace was sick, and then since, yeah. okay? So um, some of the, uh, when, when he was sick, a lot of the stuff that we, we, we were encouraged. I mean, we've received a lot of, um, you know, texts, comments, oh, things in the mail, car, like, that really kept us going, okay? So, um, but then after losing Jace, um, 
I think people need to understand that you can't fix it. Okay. So you can't fix my grief in one comment. You can't fix my loss. Um, and it's okay if I'm not okay. If I, I'm try, if I post something vulnerable about how I'm feeling, you know, I, I don't really want the critical thought of some I have been told that um, you know you just need to be thankful that you have another kid mm. um, that's not very helpful yeah um, I was told that Jace was just mine to borrow he was never mine to begin with mm. Um, mm, probably not something that is you know good for a grieving mom to hear um, like you said I don't think people I don't think people mean it in a hurtful way. I think we're in this world of, you know, oh my gosh, she's broken. We've got to fix her. We've got to put her back together. Um, When just let me be in whatever area, whatever sense, whatever part of grief I'm at, um, just let me be in that. Um, Tell me that you're thinking of me. It's really simple. I think we overcomplicate you know, how we need to interact with someone who, who has lost their child. Hmm. Um, letting them know you're there is huge because, you know, I already feel isolated as it is because I lost my child, right? You know, there aren't that many people around that I know um, that have lost a child. So I'm, I'm already different, okay? So when you tell me things that make me feel like I'm not doing this right. (laughs) You know, I'm just doing this how I feel today. Mm. You know, um, I think if someone, if, if someone who has lost a child crosses your mind, uh, I've always, I've always said, if, if they cross your mind, then you need, that's when you, that's your sign that you need to reach out to them. Mm. And, Obviously, Jace's favorite color was green. So one of the little emojis on our phone is a green heart. And I tell people, if you simply just send me a green heart, hmm. that is more than any anything, any word you could ever speak to me. Hmm. One, because it's specific about Jace. You think about green, you think about that, and you send that to me. And uh, because I've always told people, like, I'm more than likely needing that at that moment. If you think about me and you send a quick little text saying that I'm thinking about you or um, it's just that simple. Uh, don't avoid somebody because they're grieving. Hmm. Um, it's okay to walk up and say, hey, you know what? I was thinking about Jace last night hmm. um, because I was too, hmm. you know, and so I want to know what you're thinking about. Um, someone told me the other day that uh, their little boy came up to them. He had never met Jace. He's only heard the story through his his parents. And he was like, Mom, Dad, um, you have to get me some more green shirts. <laughs> and they were like, why? And he was like, because I was telling everybody about Jace today. I appreciated that story, hmm. um, even though it made me cry. Um, but I want to know that my biggest fear as a, as a DIPG grieving mother is my biggest fear is that people are going to forget Jace. Mm. And so if you tell me those stories or if you tell me that you're thinking about me, then you're probably remembering Jace. And that's what I want. Um, don't, don't steer clear of me, but just be mindful at maybe what you're 
saying to others, if you just know that you don't have the magic words, you're not going to be able to just give me one sentence and I'm going to be like, you know what? You're right. Yeah. I'm over this. Grease Grief. over. Thank you. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I appreciate that. No, it's, it's just letting people know that you're there, that they're not alone because they already feel it anyway. Um, and ju- I don't really encourage people to put your beliefs on that other person. Mm-hmm. Like everybody has their own, you know, religious and faith beliefs and, uh, different things like that, but you don't know where other people are. Um, so I think it's just simple, you know, thinking about you. Yep. I'm here for you. So, so men are, are ridiculous, <laughs> uh, when it comes to sharing our emotions, I, no. I will admit, so I, I am terribly terrified of triggering something in someone that's been through trauma or grief or that is grieving. Mm-hmm. Um, and so sometimes that's what will hold me back from bringing it up. And, and I even think about my own mother, right? And uh, when, when my grandfather, and I was very close to my grandfather, right? If I start talking about him too much, I'll start crying. Well, um, I can't ask my mom uh, about my grandfather without her immediately just, and it's been probably, I think, six years since he passed. And so I've caught myself, though, and been challenging myself more to ask her more because, you know, she might be having a great day. Well, I'm in my mind because I'm just a guy. I'm going, if I trigger this in her, is that going to wreck the rest of her day? Right. And obviously, I don't want that to happen. So, what do we do? And I'm I'm saying guys because I'm I'm just really making fun of myself and, <laughs> and men in general here. But um, uh, but you know, if we can just kind of move past it without triggering mm-hmm. something, or you know, but it's kind of ridiculous to think, oh well, she was having a great day, and then I just wrecked her day. When would when would you get triggered? Let's say, like, walk me through that in, in a situation where, okay, you're going through your day. And it's not that you haven't thought about Jace that day, but you know, you're, you're in life mm-hmm. and here you are in the grocery store and someone walks up to you and says something to you. And you just said, like, you start crying and you know, it makes you emotional and you're, you appreciate the stories. What happens after that? It, it, are any of the moments that it pulls you back into in the grief in that moment, is it ever not worth it for you to feel those feelings in that moment? Like you were having a good day and then all of a sudden that just put you on a whole nother path the rest of the day? Does that happen? Or am I as a male, you know, just drastically underestimating, uh, overthinking about it? Yeah. Um, (laughs) No, nothing has ever been uh, said to me that wrecked my day. Mm. Um, You know, it, it, no, my days aren't easy anyway. Yeah. So um, if you bring Jace up or some sort of story or, if you ask me how I am and I completely break down, you know, sometimes I, I feel bad. F- I feel bad for the person that's standing there now looking at me lost because they think that very thing, you know, oh my gosh, she was smiling five minutes ago and now she's crying, you know, and I just say, listen, I'm sad all the time. Okay. You know, I, I lost my son, so I'm always sad. Um, so I'm sorry for the uncomfortable tears, but you're not going to, you're not going to ruin my day. Um, and I've never had the moment where I walked away and I thought, oh my goodness, you know, why did they, why did they stop and talk to me? Or why did they ask me how I was? I, I appreciate it. Um, there are a lot of people that since child loss is so hard to talk about and people just cannot imagine. So they just don't even want to go there. Um, but I, I encourage you know, others to, if, if you know someone that has lost a child or lost a parent or anything, you know, um, 
it, it's okay to say, Hey, I'm just thinking about you today. Yeah. You know, um, I, I, I'm better now at being able to listen to those, uh, stories or like the thing I was just talking about with a little boy. I'm better at listening to those things now. Um, it's, they still upset me, but, um, you know, nothing, nothing has ever been said to me, um, that has made me think, you know, <laughs> I just wish people would leave me alone. Yeah. It, it, it isn't that, um, talking to people that have lost children, you know, we all feel kind of the same thing, you know, that people just kind of walk around on eggshells around us, or I'm going to act like this didn't exist. And I'm like over here screaming inside saying, just ask me how I'm doing or come up and, you know, let's talk about the weather. Mm -hmm. I don't know. Just engage people. And, um, because we just don't want to, we don't want to feel you know, put to the side just because it's uncomfortable for you. Yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but that's the reality of it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Follow. It's almost like the, uh, support, the physical support of stuff. It's kind of follow your gut with that stuff. Yeah. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, that's awesome. Let's talk about warrior Jace foundation. Okay. okay. So you're doing a lot of work right now with DIPG, uh, but, it, uh, and you're raising a lot of money for, <laughs> for DIPG. What does it go to? And what are you doing today that you're excited about with warrior Jace foundation? Yeah, so, you know, our Warrior, the Warrior Jace Foundation is uh, my husband and me and my parents. You know, we're, we we work full-time, and then this is our side gig, you know, but very important to us. Um, so we work on raising awareness uh, of DIPG because so many people don't know about it. Um, but we also raise money for DIPG clinical trial research. So since there are so few clinical trials uh, in the country, we just try to find what, um, you know, specific it is to DIPG. And since we've started in, in 2019, I think we've given over $225,000 to wow. Children's National in, in Washington, D.C., where Jace received his care, hmm. you know, and that's just a few of us, you know, working hard and, you know, trying to get his story out there and, but that's our purpose now. Our purpose for our foundation is to donate our funds to research. Mm -hmm. um, and that's what we feel is most important because we, we, we don't want people to have to go what we went through. Mm -hmm. So if we feel like we can donate and help on the front end, that we hope that you never have to experience this horrific cancer. Yeah. Yeah. Well, and what, what is your website? At www.warriorjace.org. Warriorjace.org. All right, so mm -hmm. follow along in Facebook. And, and uh, do you do Instagram much or is mostly a Facebook page? And mostly Facebook. Facebook. Yeah, follow yeah. the stories, though. I mean, I, I would encourage everybody to get on there and just see what this organization is doing. And knowing that the dollars that go to Warrior Jace Foundation actually go to DIPG research. Correct. And, and that's what we've talked about a lot. Yeah. Uh, it's one of the reasons why I started Live Like Warriors is because I want I'm, – I'm tired of giving to organizations mm -hmm. where 5% of the actual – dollar that I give actually right. goes to the cause. That's right. ridiculous. Right. You know, and while the CEO is getting a, you know, $600,000 salary and mm -hmm. stuff like that, it's like, no, that's not what, what people are giving for. We need to find real causes, specific needs mm -hmm. that need to be filled and we need to fill them. Right. right. Um, and the fact that Warrior Jace Foundation is doing that, Mm -hmm. um, that is going towards, uh, you know, it's, it's actually going towards DIPG research. And you even told me before that, uh, that when you go and, and have, have had these trials, 
it's contractual mm -hmm. that the money that you're giving that trial is DIPG specific, correct? Right. Yeah, I mean, and that's that's mainly that's what we say. You know, we we want to give you this money, but I you need to show us that this is exactly where it's going to go to. Yeah, and um, yeah, we do that. Uh, you know, it's I tell people, you know, I, I would love for you to donate to the Warrior Jace Foundation. Mm -hmm. But educate yourself, you know, when you're going to give uh, to a nonprofit, you know, take the time to see maybe where those funds are going. Yeah. And um, I can tell you that ours, you know, yeah, you have some fees that you have to pay, but ours, that's why we, we stay small mm. and um, we don't have paid employees. We work outside of this and that's where our money goes is yeah. to research. Yeah, it's a great cause um, and an amazing family that's oh. pushing it. So. Lastly, <laughs> this is the ugliest cough that I've ever had in my life. <laughs> um, uh, lastly, I want to talk grace. about this owl that's above our, our shoulder here. So tell me the story about the about the owl. Where does that come from? Because that's kind of become a symbol mm -hmm. for Warrior Jace. Sure. So Jace, like I was saying earlier, he's an old soul. So, uh, you know, I guess where most kids would probably like dogs and cats and horses, <laughs> he somehow fell in love with owls mm. and when my parents would take him to daycare in the mornings there was a specific stop sign they would stop at and for some reason most mornings around 9 a.m there was a big old owl sitting on a limb next to where they stopped and so he started noticing that and they would have conversations and that's where mr hootie came from so that was mr hootie and he just loved owls and the night that he left us um, we went out to the back deck. We live in the country. So yeah, you would think you would hear owls often, but uh, we really didn't. But that night that he left, we went out onto the back deck and it was the loudest owl I have ever heard. Hmm. And it was, I mean, feet inside the woods from our deck. And, um, not that I'm some weird person that I think that that was Jace coming back, but it was just something that he loved so much. And I really, I'm a big believer in signs. Mm. And um, I just felt that that was what he sent. And the owl thing has grown so much. I, uh, the, the Warrior Jace Facebook page, you know, has a lot of followers. And I'm so grateful that people are still listening to our story. Mm. Um, and it is amazing how many things that have to do with owls exist in this world and I've received gifts from all over the country hundreds of gifts and I've never had a duplicate owl wow and so that's just kind of this owl here someone sent to us and I have owls all over my house um, it just gives me a little um, sense of comfort when I see one and I love seeing all the different things people find um, but yeah, if you come to my house and probably even outside, you're going to see a lot of things with owls, Yeah. but it's so specific to him. And I love it because it's so different. Yeah. Right. I mean, most four and five year olds don't, what's your favorite thing, Right. an owl <laughs> and that's Jace's. And so that's one uh, other thing that makes him so, so different and so special. Yeah, I agree. <laughs> well, uh, so if you're listening to this, the next time you see something in the store and it's an owl, I hope you think of warrior Jace, Jace. and, uh, you, you think of his amazing story. Uh, that, that, uh, that catchphrase he had can't, can't, can't stop, stop me, me with his, with his thumbs up. 
Um, and I hope that that's encourages the, that you listening, like can't stop me. That's you right. know, if you take, if you lived one more day of your life with that attitude, uh, your day, your day will, uh, be impactful. Can't stop sure. me. Right. Cause we're all fighting something. Mm-hmm. Um, and, uh, and we'll take that inspiration from, from Jace more than just a day. And sure. I hope that the owl is a great example or a great reminder for all of us, uh, with that. So, um, thank you for everything that you do. And, um, I, I know that um, this is never the chapter, never the story that you would have written uh, for yourself, for Jace, for Eric, for Blake. Um, uh, and none of us would have written the story the way that it has gone. We would have had many more just normal kid stories and chapters. Um, uh, but I'm very proud that I did know him, even though I never got to meet him in person. I'm very proud I got to know him. He inspires me. Um, and I thank you for what your family does. Uh, you brought me up a, a a truck. We've got a little Mohawk Warrior truck yeah. that was from the video that Jace that, that you sent me of him playing with the truck. Um, so we are going to take that and put that up in the real Mohawk Warrior truck. I love that. Um, we are going to zip tie it up somewhere tight because it gets a little bouncy um, whenever I'm jumping that thing in the air and doing backflips in, in the awesome. Mohawk Warrior truck. Uh, but we're going to get that thing and make it make sure that uh, his truck, his Mohawk Warrior truck, gets. Uh, the it's proper ride. ride. That's uh, right. The proper ride along. And we know Jace will get a kick out of that. He sure will. He's already messing with us, though, because <laughs> all of our lights keep shutting off in our studio. So <laughs> I don't know what we'll do with this video. If I do post it and you think that our studio has gotten a little bit dark, it has. It has. Because all of the green lights and all the stuff, everything just one by one started shutting yeah. off. So thanks a lot, Jace. Like I said, signs. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> all right, guys. Thank um, you. Please. Thank you for having me. And thank you for having us. And thank you for being so genuine and real and wanting to tell people's story. I appreciate that. Well, it is an honor. So um, many more great things to come. So it's fun that we get to support each other. More campaigns to work on together. Um, keep being an angel out there. And uh, we'll we'll continue to, to, uh, to show people that there's a big, huge community out there that they may not even know right. that supports them. Um, and, and if you guys, if you're listening and you're not part of my warrior chain on live like warriors, please join it. Mm -hmm. Um, I I love getting a lot of people doing a little bit. And when we do that, we can do a lot. Absolutely. And so join my warrior chain. It's obviously free. Go to live like warriors.com. Um, and just go to the contact button. And that's the only thing the contact button is for is so that you can sign up for that warrior chain. Um, and that'll get you the emails whenever we kick off a campaign. That's what I, that's who I send it to is the warrior chain that's saying, Hey, Keep, keep me updated on campaigns and, and uh, things that are going on. And we do have content like this podcast episode is going to go to our warrior chain first. So uh, please be a part of that. But um, we appreciate you guys listening. We're having fun just telling stories like Warrior Jace, Can't Stop Me. Um, and I hope it's a blessing to you. I know it's a blessing to me. It's inspiring for myself. And uh, so for us at the Warrior Jace Foundation and Live Like Warriors, uh, keep it up, everybody. And uh, we will see you all on the battlefield. Thanks for listening to the Live Like Warriors podcast. Do us a favor and share this with one person today. You never know who desperately needs to hear this message. And don't forget to join our warrior chain at livelikewarriors.com. We'll see you on the battlefield.